Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hi! The show's namesake BJ Shea is on assignment, but running the boards is Joey D's. Hello! On today's show, we will talk with Gareth Von Kallenbach about Star Wars and giant movie monsters. We will also talk about the uh, couple episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier, as well as my first impressions of the first episode of Invincible. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Discover blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or just, you know, look for us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes. BJ Shades Geek Nation, BJ Geek Nation, both work. Yep, exactly. You can do a search on all of that. But uh, check out the Facebook page. Give a like because Vicky posts a ton of stuff on there. A lot of stuff that we just can't uh, get to on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of memes. Also a lot of uh, things that will bring up uh, interesting conversations as well. So get there, like us, and then comment and, uh, I don't know, have some fun. Be geeky. <laughs> uh, first off, let's get with our good friend, Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach, over at Skewed and Reviewed because we need some television and some movie news. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. And I know that we've heard a lot about the Star Wars universe expanding, the galaxy far, far away getting some new programming, and some of that is animated, and they did just drop a trailer for The Bad Batch didn't they yeah and what was really interesting about this is i think it came along perhaps sooner than people expected which to me shows that perhaps this thing has been in development a lot longer than people thought and kudos for them for being able to keep this under wraps because with the pandemic and everything going on we know a lot of people are working from home and we only heard about these things Uh, A few months ago, and of course, this is the whole wave. We knew there was more Star Wars content coming, but when it was revealed the amount that is coming to Disney Plus, and then they basically said, oh, yeah, this is coming in May, on May May the 4th, no less. (laughs) It was like, wow. And then they dropped 70-minute opening episode and then weekly episodes thereafter and of course you know you hear stories about the grand scheme at disney plus is that they want to have either a marvel or star wars piece of content new each week going forward and you know with all of the live action and animated shows for both franchises in the works it's an ambitious plan, and it'll be really interesting to see what they do with that. Yes, and if uh, for those who don't know, yeah, uh, first you said uh, the Bad Batch is going to have a seventy-minute uh, starting episode, which is fantastic. May the fourth be with you. But if people don't necessarily know what the Bad Batch is, it's essentially kind of like a mercenary group of like ex clones, right? Correct. And what was really interesting in the trailer is they, in the recent episodes of the Clone Wars, the unfinished, unreleased ones that. They did finish up and then put up on uh, Disney Plus. They introduced them, and they were a batch of clones that didn't quite take. There was irregularities in them in that they were not so subservient, not so submissive. They got the job done. They weren't so defective like the poor one that aged in you know oh, yeah. out of order and was assigned <laughs> a cleaning crew these guys were still efficient the whole idea behind them was could they be controlled they're more specialist but they're essentially 
kind of like the old commando movies of old Force 10 from Navarone <laughs> and stuff that where you had the prisoners and the undesirable elements put on the mission. Uh, there you have it. And what really caught my attention from the trailers is it seems to imply that a lot of this show will take place after Order 66. So the whole, uh-oh, so they didn't have the chips in their head, or maybe the Ooh. chips didn't work due to their irregularities, and now they're like this rogue element operating in the days of the Empire coming to power, the Jedi being eliminated, and I thought that is really appealing to me because we don't know about that. All we know about is that it happened, mm -hmm. and that 20 years later the original film starts, I mean, sure, we had Rogue One, which was essentially a week or two before, but now we get a really good look at what happened after Revenge of the Sith as the Empire was taking power. And I think just the storytelling possibilities are endless there. Absolutely, and it's always interesting when you look at the entire gamut of the nine movies that are out there. The you know the main movies because that is the Skywalker saga. This is about a certain family and how they interact with stuff. But you're going to see the galaxy far, far away in such a grander scope, especially when it's not dealing with the Skywalkers. And you talked about you know Clone Wars and uh, the uh, and Rebels being you know kind of filling that gap uh, between the movies a lot of the times, and you get some of that. But again. And this is now in between episodes three and four of the movies, which other than the comic books hasn't been explored. And even with the comic books, it's still about the Skywalker saga. I love the fact that we're going to get to see characters that are dealing with what's happening, but aren't a part of that legacy. Exactly. And of course, the door is wide open. We've already seen Tarkin in the trailer. You know, Vader is going to be a possibility. You mm -hmm. know, the Emperor is going to be in the possibility. Who knows? Are they going to throw in Chewbacca? Are they going to throw Ooh. in Yoda and Obi-Wan, who, let's be honest, are still around at this time? Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, all sorts of politicians. Uh, the Senate hasn't been dissolved yet. Jar Jar Binks. I mean, I know that won't be a popular <laughs> choice, but that is a possibility. And, of course, uh, you know, Bail Organa and on and on and on. And so that's what's really, really interesting, that they're going to be able to mix in new characters as well as old ones and uh, develop the universe even further. Exactly. A lot of fun with all of that. Now, moving from a galaxy far, far away to an alternate universe where giant monsters are going to beat the crap out of each other. Kong versus Godzilla dropped on HBO Max on Wednesday. And it's uh, a movie that is out, obviously, right now in homes, but also it did a simultaneous release in theaters as well. And so while this is exciting on the aspect of you get to see, you know, Kong and Godzilla duke it out, uh, but a lot of people are going to be choosing to go check this out in the theaters as well. Exactly. And that is a really interesting uh case study because it opened overseas in select markets a few days before it opened in the United States. And it opened huge in China to the tune of uh, about $70 million almost. Now, wow. some people say, well, what's the big deal? China's an extremely large movie market. It has emerged as such in the last uh, few years. They have a huge population. This is right up their alley. Well, not necessarily the case. The previous Godzilla film wasn't widely embraced over there, which was a big source of 
uh, confusion because, you know, traditionally people think that gigantic monsters are very popular in the Pacific Rim countries. Why didn't the last Godzilla film go over well in China? Well, they came out and they came out in numbers. And like I said, it didn't have a wide opening in terms of all of the countries overseas. But we heard stories like in, I believe, Australia, it has already made more money than the entire prior film did during its run. Wow. And so this has got the whole film industry kind of going a bit crazy because they're on one hand saying, well, okay, China and Australia were obviously further ahead than some countries in terms of containing the pandemic. Australia essentially shut down everything and you don't get in or out of there. I mean, Mm -hmm. you don't get in without a supervised two-week quarantine, so on and so forth. So, you know, is it a case of that these people are saying that they're more comfortable returning to the theaters, that there has been a, let's be honest, a lack of an event film. The last time we had any kind of major film attempted in the theaters was Tenet, and that was several months ago. I mean, not that there haven't been movies, but I'm talking a major FX-driven potential summer blockbuster. And so the big question now becomes... How is it going to do in America? Um, Are people going to sit at home and say, I'm just going to stay safe in my home and watch it on HBO Max? Or am I going to venture out in the theaters and see it on the big screen? And then, of course, the bigger question. Some states have loosened mandates. Some states have loosened um, size restrictions at theaters. Others have seen a wave uh, of, you know, a rising wave. Other states like California have been very far ahead with their vaccinations, and they've announced that they're going to an orange tier, which will allow, as we've talked about before, theme parks to reopen, theaters Mm -hmm. at 50% capacity. What are we going to see? How many people are going to jump forward? And is it going to be enough to stimulate the theaters to the point where all these films that are kind of in limbo, let's not forget Warner Brothers has Mortal Kombat uh, oh, yeah. sitting in the wings, and they announced that they pushed it back, I believe, a week, but they have that, and there's all these other films sitting there waiting, you know, are they going to happen? Because that is the question. Theaters are looking at it. Uh, the industry is looking at it saying, what is the audience going to choose? Are people going to stay home? Or are they going to come back? And this is going to determine the entire boom summer movie season yeah. and the fall movie season. And, you know, it, it's funny because we've already seen the trickle down effect from this. We talked about briefly how Comic-Con is going um, virtual in July. This is a platform where a lot of these things are pushed. Then they said, well, we're going to try to do a small in-person thing in November. So that's probably when you're going to see the big push for the uh, holiday films and then the early 2022 films. And, of course, there's always the question of, is CinemaCon going to drop in August as planned, where the exhibitors and the studios get together and hash out, this is what we've got coming for the next year. And there's so many questions, and all eyes are going to this. But based on what they saw, at least overseas, the 
simple answer is we don't know about the U.S. yet, but it does appear that there are certain markets overseas that have shown we are ready to come back to the theaters if you give us something worth going to the theaters for. It'll be interesting to see if Godzilla versus Kong is Kong is going to be that because I mean, like you said, this is the precursor for all of it. Are we ready to go back to the theaters? Uh, I, I'm kind of hoping that those who are uh, willing to do so will do so, uh, and they'll be able to kind of show that growth. Me personally, because I'm gonna want to see it as quickly as possible, and I'm I'm personally gonna wait to do it in person. Uh, I'm still gonna be watching it on HBO Max this weekend, so I'm definitely checking it out. But something like this, I feel, is gonna it's going to benefit greatly from the improved sound system of a movie theater as opposed to my own home theater. Exactly. And another thing that I think is a really important key to all of this, and I know it's not so much for the general public, but I am kind of looking at it going, when are the studios going to start bringing back in-person press screenings? We've only Mm -hmm. had some very sporadic ones. Most of the time when they do offer it, it's we're going to send you a link. You can stream it. And can't write your review for this time. We knew that there had been some, I don't like to use the term cherry-picked, but for the lack of better words, that's what it was, where they didn't open it up to the full press, but Mm -hmm. certain outlets were given the opportunity to see it ahead of time. Um, So that's kind of what we're waiting for. And I think, you know, are we going to see the press screenings where they bring in the general public? Probably not just yet, but are we going to start to see more and more where they say, we're going to show it in a theater for the press. I think when that happens for the big films, that to me will be a big sign as well, because that's when the studios are saying, we're going to start putting money behind the promotion of these films to rent out theaters, Mm -hmm. to show it to you versus just sending out a link. And I think that will be a big key that they're ready to start resuming business as normal. And I really do miss the communal aspect of being able to watch a movie with a lot of people and having that shared experience. So the sooner the better on that, obviously keeping everyone safe. Thank you so much, Gareth. Again, Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. You can find out movies, TV, comic books, toys, all the geeky tech stuff. All that information is at sknr.net. Thank you, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you, Gareth. And on Monday's episode, I'll talk a little bit more about how I feel about Godzilla vs. Kong. We just kind of strayed a little bit when we were talking, and it really kind of deal more with uh, going back to the theaters to see a movie. Uh, eventually, I think I will go to those once I get the vaccine and do all that stuff. And I, I, I really... I really want to get back into the theaters and have that shared experience. Uh, But staying at home also means watching television. And that also means watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're on to the second episode, which is the Star Spangled Man. And Joe has not seen the second episode yet. I'm a bad dork. I didn't do it. It's fine because I'll be perfectly honest. It's it's since it's a weekly show, um, catching up a is going to be very easy because you can just get it on Disney Plus. Um, but also, um, there's they're they're kind of slow rolling some stuff. So at this point in time, the second episode, uh, like I said, the Star Spangled Man, uh, at the end of the first episode, you get to see the first shot of the quote unquote new Captain America. And that kind of expands a little bit more into what's going on with that. So you get to get a little bit of his history and kind of understand where he's coming from. Um, They try to humanize him a little bit, but I felt that uh, it doesn't really matter for uh, Bucky and Sam. When it gets down to it. On top of the fact, like, you can be humanized. He is still a human. Mm -hmm. However, he's still a man, too. So he is very much like, hey, I'm in charge now. (laughs) It's me. 
exactly. I think he's starting to let it get to his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I don't know anything about the comic. Is this following some sort of storyline that we know yes. about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what it looks like is that this was an actual guy who took over for Steve Rogers when Steve Rogers gave up the mantle. I think at that point maybe went as Nomad. And I know there's a lot of nerds out there who can correct me when it comes down to it. But yeah, so this is an actual character in the comic books. And, and I think they they tackle that same comic, and I'm basing this off of uh, the TikToker we talked about last week, uh, Straw Under Hat underscore Hat underscore Goofy, mm-hmm. who talks about the comic book was dealing with a lot of the race issues that people weren't ready for the Black Captain America, and were kind of fighting with that. But he did also point out that uh, the the gentleman that we saw the the I think he was in the first one. I don't know if he was in the second one. The the soldier Torres. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He ends up eventually becoming. A, the uh, the Falcon. Really? Yeah. But he oh. actually has actual wings, not mechanical wings, in the comic. Oh, huh. But, I mean, I doubt they'll... I mean, they could because well, of the knows? super soldier route, but I doubt they'll do it. They'll probably just do the ceremonial, here's my wings, go for it. So one of the big things in this one is the fact that now there are other super soldiers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Flag Smashers are actually super soldiers. We don't know where they come from or how they come from. They sound like they all have different accents a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, and there, I mean, the Flag Smashers was established in the first episode as a, a group of people who want a world without borders. Mm-hmm. So when they're saying Flag Smashers, essentially, they want to bring down all of the world governments and mm. bring them back into themselves. Just which, how it was before the blip thing happened. Yeah. And it's just looking at me, and it's like me and my wife are looking at each other, and it's like, well, obviously, this means Hydra, right? And uh, mm. we're not there yet because we don't know if they're Hydra or anything, but they are uh, both Bucky and uh, Bucky and uh, Sam are going to go meet up with an old friend of theirs. I mean that in the loosest terms of ever, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Zemo, which was in it was it was an he was an Age of Ultron and Winter Soldier, right? I don't know if he was a Winter Soldier. Did Winter Soldier become out before? Or uh, after, I think it was uh, uh, what is it? A uh, Civil War, I think. Yeah. I think it was Civil War because his what he he was uh, had all the effects happen to him. I think a lot of this stuff happened because of what happened in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Because I think he lost his family in Age of Ultron because of that whole thing. Oh, he was the main antagonist in Civil War. And then Civil War, he was the one that yeah. caused all the problems, pretended to be Bucky, all that stuff. Exactly. So, um, And it's a really interesting sort of thing, too, because, and this gets into, uh, you know, kind of the speculation territory, which I'm not going to do when it comes down to all of this. But a lot of people um, have uh, mentioned that in the comic books, Zemo does create his own superhero team. Okay. So they but are might... they heroes or just super powered well, team? Well, we'll have to find out how they're going to be taking it. But in the comic books, it was a villain team that was kind of masquerading as mm. heroes, doing heroish things, but under the guise of well, Hydra. So right. we'll have to see how all of that works out. Still, we... very interesting to see where it's going to go because they just said we're going to go see him, and then they cut for episode three. Are we spoiling it or not? Do oh. it. Do yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, we did have we did get introduced to a character that is very important not just I guess to the world but the idea of what this show is is really it is 
demonstrating doesn't matter how successful you can be. Unfortunately, the world is still a little broken when it comes to micro or yeah, microaggression. Was it micro? Yeah, I always macro and micro. I get them confused. Yeah, micro is itty bitty. Macro is big. Yeah, microaggressions and stuff when it comes to race and, and things yeah. like that. But we did have a black Captain America, which was a complete, like in a sense, a super soldier that yeah. could take down Bucky and did take down Bucky, which was a shock for Sam. He's like, you're telling me this was a thing? And I think if Sam were to know that, he wouldn't have given up the shield. Yeah, I have to absolutely agree with that, too. But I also believe that Bucky was doing it the same reason why uh, uh, Steve Rogers didn't tell Tony about his parents. And Mm -hmm. with Bucky doing that, you're trying to protect a friend from information that kind of might send you off in a direction that maybe you're not ready for yet. Right. On top of the fact that this poor man has already suffered enough. Yeah. I'm blinking on his name. It wasn't Jeremiah, was it? It Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead. Do you, can you remind me in the first episode, did they say why he gave up the shield? It was more along the lines of it. it he said that it didn't feel right for him. Mm, okay. Um, and that it wasn't, it wasn't his place to take up that mantle. It was nobody's place. And that was the big stab in the back. He did that whole, the whole pomp and circumstance of like putting it behind glass only for the senator to come back around and immediately give it, under, give it to the new Captain America. Got it. Which is really douchey. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. Rev, I'm giving you this really beautiful oh, thank watch. You. Yeah, thanks for that watch. You I know, like but that. it was my grandfather's. You're like, you know what? I can't, like, I can't wear it or whatever. Uh, I'm just gonna have it up on on display, and then you go around and give it to somebody else. Yeah, and it's like it's I gave that to you. It's regifting, and I'm like, that is that was an important thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, regifting an heirloom. I mean, literally, like a legacy heirloom when it comes down to it. Yeah, Not a good thing. You knew that wasn't gonna stay in the museum. That thing's a weapon. Yeah, and I, that's the thing too. I always found it interesting too because the new Captain America. I'm not gonna call him by his name. He's just new Captain America. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he like he can use the shield fairly well. He's right. not a superhuman. Um, he didn't take any super soldier serum at this point. And I, I wouldn't don't be know surprised if, he if we... He, he right. seems like the kind of guy that would be under pressure. He's like, I need to be better. I'm going to do this. Much like athletes who take steroids. Straight up. And so, but he can handle himself pretty well with it. He's trained. He he feels like he's up to the task, but he's also not trying to be Steve. Like, he said so in it. Like He still comes off very douchey. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's super arrogant, but it's that same sort of way of like... Uh, I'm going like even them trying to humanize him. It's just still that. Well, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. And hey, guys, how's it going? And there's mm-hmm. a couple times where he does. He bails some people out, and he lets you know it's that kind of guy. Where it's mm-hmm. like I'm here to save you, and I saved you. Look at me. So now you have to do what I tell you to do. Yeah. But you definitely want to watch this episode because we do find out why it's bothering Bucky so much. Yes. And like, why that? Why is it that Sam giving up the shield has nothing to do with him? Why does it hurt him? The the therapy session was pretty. I mean, it's eye opening. It's a couples therapy session that is both. It's hits so you in funny. the field. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. But yeah, exactly. So uh, really good episode. Can't wait to see what happens on today's episode as well. Uh, another show that is out on Amazon Prime and they're doing the weekly thing. They've dropped the first three episodes of uh, Invincible, which is the original uh, Robert Kirkman comic that I mm-hmm. think went for about 140 uh, issues. 140 44, I think, like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I have only managed to watch the first episode, and holy crap. So, starts <laughs> off, okay, it's like, I don't know, like uh, like a 30-minute episode, and I'm like, all right, this is fine, this is cool. And then they not only did a quote-unquote post credit scene, but they did basically a post credit episode. 
So the uh, the first episode, like the whole thing of it, you're going, it's like, you know, like I said, like 30 minutes or so. And it's finding out about this new, this kid who's now getting his superpowers because his dad is essentially Superman. They call him Omni-Man and he comes from another planet far, far away. And uh, then he ends up uh, shacking with a lady. They get married, have a kid. Kid is half and half of this alien race in the, of human. And then once he gets to be turned 17, he gets powers. Hooray! Now it's an adventure of all that. Cut, goes to black. And then they start another episode. Huh? Not really, because it was still the same episode. Hmm. And it goes completely dog nuts. Like... Hmm. It was one of those things where I did not expect this to happen. And even looking at, um, I had to look online because Denna Geek put a, a really good um, article about this because the there is a twist in the first episode. And like I said, it's an adaptation of Robert Kirkman's comic. And this twist does happen in the comic book, but it's a little bit later. It doesn't happen until I think like issue one, of, like issue seven or so. So it's still kind of early on, but not that early on. And they just pulled it right now in the first episode and they kind of wanted to do that to put the state like show what uh the stakes are for this and it's a hook that got me uh i still haven't watched the other two episodes that are out and i think now there are three episodes out because it drops on friday on amazon prime but it does have me hooked omni-man the uh the superman type is uh voiced by jk simmons oh okay yeah which you may know as uh, j jonah jameson among many other things uh also uh steven yoon who played glenn on the walking dead is uh playing the uh the title character invincible and so uh it's a lot of fun and i'm really kind of seeing where it's going it is animated but it is for mature audiences especially once you get past the first part, there's some f bombs, but suddenly it gets very, very, very graphically violent. I'm talking like Game of Thrones, like the Viper versus the Mountain fights. Oh, so people are going to get decapitated. Yes, <laughs> among many other things. Like, don't go into this while you're eating dinner. Maybe that's why the wife isn't mm. too happy about watching this anymore because we watched the first episode during dinner. You know, that doesn't really help the food go down. No, 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 not at all. But a uh, little forewarned there. I, I, I hope I'm not hyping it up uh, that much in terms of, like, uh, expectations. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me know how you enjoy. guys feel about that. Yeah, enjoy. <laughs> let me know how you feel about that. And uh, But now it is time to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So we did talk about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And I had found this a while ago that it just like it made me feel so good. Oh. Well, some of the things. It's uh, 21 MCU fans share things about Sam and Bucky that we never thought about before. Okay. Some of that may be true. Some of them might just be observations. Okay, okay. So stuff like, oh, they probably uh, wouldn't uh, work well together in an apartment. You know, you don't want to have them renting an apartment uh-huh. together. Well, like, for example, the reason why, well, why we think that uh, Falcon or Sam was given the shield if you go back to Captain America, the first Avenger, there's a part where the professor says, not a perfect soldier, but a good man. And at the end of Avengers Endgame, he says, you're a good man, Sam. Uh, oh, so it kind of brings it around. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot more subtle than the whole Iron Man, I am Iron Man bookend that was there because that was totally in your mm-hmm. face. But that's a good one, too. Um, and then somebody points out uh, Sam's call to action. It's like, you ever think about how Sam was just a normal dude going about his business, and now he's a fugitive fighting a purple space alien, all because he asked some smart ass about his bed. Honestly, get you a ride or die friend like Sam Wilson. 
Um, so uh, going back to the whole fight scene in Civil War. Okay. Uh, uh, when he basically shoots out Rodney, but he's trying to save him. Mm-hmm. It says, while Tony reacted by blasting Sam, Rodney never expressed any feelings towards anybody and was the only one looking for Sam in his dying moment. Oh, damn. Um, also, let's talk about Sam Wilson and how he dived so fast to help Rodney, not only because he's an amazing person and would never want to see someone else hurt like that, but because he knows exactly how it feels to watch a person you love get shot out of the sky. Sam lost his best friend Riley the same way that Tony almost loses Rodney. And imagine how he must have felt trying his hardest but still not being able to save him from that fall. So feeling like he was like up there just to watch it all over again. Yeah, yeah, that would suck. That would absolutely suck. And I mean, it makes sense that he would be the one to do that. Uh, Also in that same movie in the Civil War, when we got Spider-Man, there is a moment where uh, Spider-Man is going to go kick Falcon or Sam and Bucky stands in the way, basically shields him with his body. And somebody points out, can we talk about this for a second? Bucky literally runs and shields Sam. Even after his own hate for him, he shields him with his own body because he knows how much Sam means to Steve and how bum he'd be if he got hurt. So don't try to tell me that Bucky Barnes is anything less than a precious cinnamon roll because I will fight you. <laughs> a precious cinnamon roll. <laughs> I think that was also my favorite part of maybe, the post. Maybe a troubled cinnamon roll, but yeah. So I mean, not wrong. Still precious, right? Yeah. <laughs> What do you guys think of these so far? I like them. Like, do you guys feel like there's any truth to them, or do you just yeah. consider them fan theory? At this well, point? I mean, I don't. I, they're not really necessarily going down the fan uh, route, but you were just talking about like observations, and I feel that that's like kind of like that good point when it comes down to it. Like a lot of the times when you see these um, secondary characters, you don't get to spend a whole lot of time with them. They don't get fleshed out as much mm-hmm. as like a Steve Rogers would. So it's really nice to actually have people paying more attention to the older stuff now that we have the newer stuff. Yeah, it's like a good feeling assumption, you know? Yeah. Like you're filling in the blanks but it's not in like a speculative way Mm. it's more of like this is kind of a cool connection yeah it seems like along the same lines as like an observation i feel like you know maybe they wouldn't want to have an apartment together but i feel that if like sam needed bucky to pick up his laundry he'd do it a little uh a little (laughs) begrudging lease maybe but uh he would still you know pick up the dry cleaning or go to the laundromat for him uh this one is uh this next one is more or less related to a comic i don't know which comic run Mm -hmm. but it says if the winter soldier was responsible for the kennedy assassin assassination and Magneto tried to stop the Kennedy assassination, then that must mean somehow Magneto lost a fight to a guy with an entire arm made of metal. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that just didn't, you know, come into the equation. Maybe Mm -hmm. he didn't see him. Maybe it's a whole thing. I I haven't read the comic series, so I don't know whether it was just an oversight because, yeah, like the master of magnetism has done things as crazy as ripping the adamantium out of of, out of uh, Wolverine. So that's a big thing. <laughs> uh, so somebody points out rewatching the Winter Soldier. Love these little details that relieve a lot. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, reveal a lot about Sam. So if you look at his house, he's got a ball, a bowl just full of corks. But there is a wine rack filled with wine. There's wine bottles, but there is only one glass of like one actual glass of wine. Is it just a giant glass of wine? Like, how many, like... It's just one glass, so you know he's drinking it all by himself, because it's only one. It's like the people oh, that only have one plate. right. Oh, and but if he's got, got all those wine corks, too, mm. he likes his wine. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> one more, Vic. All right. <clears throat> oh. Excuse me. Uh, the part where uh, Captain America says to Bucky, like, when they're 
when they were fighting, he was a fugitive. He's like, come on, man. It's like, I love the moment. Like, they've been back together in their mind, in their right minds for like, what, five minutes since 1945. And the dynamic is already coming back. Steve's like, come on, man. Gosh <laughs> sakes, try harder. And Bucky's face is like, shut up, Rogers. Don't start with me. I was fine, but no, you showed up to bring a fight with you. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Let's all get friends like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And uh, I know as of now, uh, episode three a Falcon and the Winter Soldier is out. We'll talk about that one next week. Mm-hmm. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.